Hi, everybody. Billy Holting here. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the Jazz Roundtable number 18. Tonight is instrumentalists who sing, and we have a great trio who are actually in studio for this show. Guests usually come in remote, but since we had a keyboard player, a bass player, and a drummer who all sing, they offered to come in and perform together as a trio. So this is something pretty special for the Jazz Roundtable. Our guests tonight are John Prue on keyboards, Lyman Medeiros on bass, and Dave Tull on drums, and of course, they all sing. We dig into some insights about how, as instrumentalists, they got into singing, and they all have some deep thoughts on jazz vocals and what it means to them. They also have some tips for people who want to learn to sing jazz and learn to scat. And each one of them are featured on two songs, plus they throw in an extra tune. As always, the Jazz Roundtable is recorded in front of a live internet audience. I've edited a bit from the original, but all the good stuff is here from the live show. The shows are free, but if you'd like to leave us a little something in the tip jar, please go to live at 0bpm.com slash tip jar. And please note, live at 0bpm.com is spelled L-I-V-E-A-T-Z-E-R-O-B-P-M.com. You can also tip on Venmo at Z-E-R-O-B-P-M. We always love it if you subscribe and leave a review as that really helps us spread the word. I want to make the show better and you can help. Please feel free to send ideas to podcast at live at zero bpm.com. Thank you. And have fun listening. Welcome to the Jazz Roundtable brought to you by live at zero bpm with your host, Grammy Award-winning percussionist and mallet player, Billy Holting. Tonight's guests, instrumentalist who sing, featuring Dave Tull, Lyman Medeiros, and John Prue. And we don't charge a cover, but musicians are paid exclusively by your tips, so we strongly encourage you to do so. Just go to live at 0bpm.com slash tip jar. You can also tip on Venmo at C-E-R-O-B-P-M. And now, let's get to the music with your host, Billy Holting. Hey, everybody out there in uh, Internet land. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the first Jazz Roundtable of the year, and it's actually kind of special. You know how normally we have guests come in remotely from all over the place? Well, tonight we got all three cats in the studio because it turned out as instrumentalists who sing, we have a piano player, a bass player, and a drummer. That works out really well as a jazz trio with three singers. It's kind of like a jazz version of Three Dog Night. But uh, anyway, just a reminder, click, like, and subscribe. I see we've already got some viewers on YouTube and Facebook, and I'm going to check Twitch in a little bit. But uh, we are entirely tip-based, 100%. So if you want to say thank you to the guys for all the wonderful knowledge and playing tonight, please send something in. I will put those links in the uh, chat rooms, but they are also in the descriptions, and it's just live at 0bpm.com slash tipjar, Venmo at Z-E-R-O-B-P-M, and that's live A-T. Anyway, let me get the guys in here and uh, see if I can get all these cameras going. Hey, everybody, how's you, how you doing? Doing great. Fantastic. This hey, everybody. Is, this kind of came together about a week and a half ago. Like, it's, sometimes it's hard to book these things ahead of time because cats are busy, but this worked out really well, and... Uh, Sure. And I'm just happy to have everybody here. And, Glad you know, this is the Jazz Roundtable. Oh, I have a fancy Jazz Roundtable. Where do This is even better. So oh, now everybody is has their own individual solo cameras up. And we're looking at, oh, I can Crazy. get rid of a small version of me also. I don't need that. So, But uh, this is Instrumentalist Who Sing. And I want to briefly kind of go through each uh, person. You know, we do a little bit of origin story here. We're going to kind of do one at a time because they're going to do a lot of playing tonight. But uh, we're going to start with John, and uh, the order I have them on the screen, as you all know, you regulars know, it's the order they said yes to doing this. <laughs> but we're going to do a little bit uh, different order. We're going to go start with John, and John is a uh, 
uh, he's a he's probably more well you're more than the other two guys known as a vocalist and keyboard player. Mm-hmm. You studied uh, that in Scotland. You've got a master's degree in jazz vocal performance. That's right. And, and you've written songs. Uh, let's see. You, you've got. Well, we'll talk about your CD in a little bit. But uh, you performed with Anita O'Day, Natalie Cole, Melissa Manchester, and uh, Marion McPartland. And then you've actually written some songs for some great albums. You want to tell us a little bit about those? Sure. Yeah, I've written um, a lot of original songs for my own my own records. Uh, but then I also have written for um, artists like. Um, Nancy Wilson. I've also written for uh, songs with Melissa Manchester, and um, have written songs that have been recorded by um, Dina Martin, Mary Stallings. So uh, yeah, I like to get my songs out there to as many singers as possible. That's great. How did you get into singing in the first place, or was it always just there for you? You know, for me, it was always there. My my parents both were singers and and folk singers, and uh, my grandfather was a jazz guitarist. So we always had music in the house, and I remember driving around with, with uh, our family as kids on like a Friday night and we'd be harmonizing all these songs. And just, I just thought that was like a normal thing to do when I was a kid, thinking, you know, doesn't everyone do this? But uh, as <laughs> no. I got older, I thought, wow, that was really a pretty special upbringing. Um, so I remember just, yeah, doing harmony. And, and I didn't know what I was doing at the time. I just was into singing. But I also did uh, Suzuki violin when I was three years old. And I think that was great training for the ear because Suzuki's all by, by ear, oh, wow. just listening to recordings and playing along. So, and you know, music is a language, and I think it's a good way to start teaching. That's great. Now, how did you get into the jazz and to writing the music? Well, jazz I got into from my grandfather, who was a jazz guitarist, so he right. exposed me to a lot of recordings of Nat King Cole and things like that. Um, and then the writing, I just uh, because I just loved improvisation, once I started getting into jazz from my grandfather, I started writing songs. I remember writing some blues when I was maybe like 12 years old or something, and I thought it was really hip, but it was basically <laughs> like one of these, you know... It, it was nice. Swinging. It was swinging, right? But um, I remember there's a jazz piano player in, in Michigan named John Shea, who uh, I used to go listen to with my grandfather. He was a uh-huh. jazz piano player and singer. And he said, you know, you want to sit in and play on my break? And so I remember playing that tune, that original blues that I thought, thought was pretty hip at the time. <laughs> and at the end of the, the, the performance, everyone was clapping. And he came up to me and he said, you better be careful. You're going to steal my gig, you know. <laughs> but I just, I got the bug that way. And I just kept writing and um, developed throughout you know, high school and on. That's awesome. Well, you know, John, let's just jump into it here. I'm going to put you, get you a little special screen with a lower third on it there. It's, we got right. kind of that, that monitor in the way, but um, why don't we do one of your tunes? I mean, why don't we? Cool. Why don't you guys do one of your tunes? <laughs> well, you want to set it up for us? Yeah, yeah. This is a song called Prue's Blues that I co-wrote with a uh, wonderful lyricist named Kay Lawrence Dunham, and it's on my, my third album, The Best Thing For You. And uh, the uh, punchline is, the more harder I work, the behinder I get. So here it goes. Nice. <laughs> one, two, one, two, three. Will some kind so please tell me what in the world is going on? The ego flies on Friday. By Tuesday my cash is all gone I don't quite understand it It makes me upset The more harder I work The behinder I get I can't plant a real 
vacation I bust my chops to make the rent The way my landlord's talking He could hike me 30% I maxed out of my credit I'm swimming in debt The more harder I work The behinder I get I remember when The way it used to be You could stretch a dollar bill From sea to shining sea So please somebody slap me Before this whole mess drags me down I might take up the notion To jump in the ocean and drown they say relief is coming, I ain't seen it yet The more harder I work, the behinder I get Uh-huh. 
harder I get The more harder I work The behinder I get The more harder I work The behinder I get Prue's Blues, I put the title up there so you guys, if you're writing it down, you can spell it correctly. <laughs> it's P-R-O-U-L-X. That's right, just is like it a, sounds. What, where does that name come from? Uh, it's a French-Canadian last name, so you know there's a lot of letters in there that you don't pronounce, but <laughs> yeah, it's, okay. uh, it's just like blue, uh, blue or true Prue. Okay. Yep. No, that was really cool. Now, what, Thank you. Uh, what inspired that song? You know, I mean, it's just the struggles of, you know, a lot of musicians. It's relatable, right? Right, um, right, right, right. Paying rent, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff that um, being self-employed as a musician. But uh, it's also kind of inspired by Mose Allison. You know, it's got that real bluesy kind of thing. Totally. So it's uh, a little bit uh, inspired by Mose, well, late pe- Mose. People were inspired immediately and decided to tip. All right. So let's let's go let's go continue with our origin stories. And we're going to run over here to Lyman, who played here uh, a million years ago. Yeah. And uh, now Lyman came in with a uh, with uh, it was Brad Rebuchin, Alan Hines, and and Chris, w- who played drums. Was it Chris? Yeah, it was Chris Wabich. No, let me get my the one and only. I have this whole crazy muting scheme to do, so nobody gets a lot of crossing. There, you're, you're back on. But okay. it was Chris, right? Yeah, it was. Okay. It was and Chris. then, I, and, and I, Lyman was such a great bass player, and I went and, and I looked him up, and I got his album. And uh, your partner on that album is? Renee Miara. Renee. Yeah. And I was just blown away. At, at, the, the album is amazing, and I will Thank have you. that in the show notes and everything. And, then, but, and Lyman sings a couple of songs, and it's just great. So when great. this came up, I thought, got to get this cat. Now, how did you get into, well, how did you get into the bass in the first place? Well, uh, my father played bass, so it was always kind of around. We weren't too close when we grew up, but I knew he played bass, so I always kind of gravitated towards bass electric bass and then when i went to um when i went to college my first week first month at college um you know studying upright bass i would have studied electric bass if i could because i didn't Mm -hmm. you couldn't major in electric bass in in, you know at ball state university in the early 90s in indiana where i'm from um probably still can't at most universities but uh some of my classmates were saying uh, you know other bass players in the studio we're gonna go see uh ray brown in uh fort wayne tonight why don't you come with us i said who's ray brown and (laughs) they looked at me with pity Uh and said you're coming with us and I saw uh, Ray Brown, Benny Green, and Jeff Hamilton that night, and yeah. it changed my life. And I said, that's, I'm, that's what I'm doing for the rest of my life, and it's pretty much all I've done since. Oh. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got into the singing. How did that come about? I, I've toured for a long time, almost 20 years, with a, a vocalist, Steve Tyrell. And, um, heard of him. Heard of him before, right? He's got some songs that have background harmonies, and he's recorded a couple duets with like um, Frank Sinatra Jr. <clears throat> and... Um, you know, people like that. So when he does them live, I was just kind of like the default guy in the band who could sing. Mm-hmm. Inevitably, I'd get done with the show and I'd walk off after, you know, playing bass the entire show and singing on a couple songs. And someone in the audience would say, I love your singing. You sound so great. And 
you know, I'm, of course I'm flattered and I'm happy to have that feedback, but I'm thinking to myself, I sang three tunes. I played bass on 20 tunes. <laughs> and the first thing everyone says was, I love your voice, mm. you should sing. So, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. So I decided to start singing. And I, I knew I didn't want to be, and I don't think I ever want to be, just like a vocalist bass player. You know, I don't think I'll ever do a, a record where I'm just, you know, singing and playing bass the whole time. But right. I had a concept to start this band with my partner Renee uh, called Black Market Reverie and I really love the um, Ella Fitzgerald Louis Armstrong duets so I kind of had this concept to kind of base a band off that like to me that's an entire genre that music is so Mm -hmm. wonderful of you know doing standards and and, and you kind of when you start looking at the words like if you trade off verses or A sections in those standards, they really work as a dialogue sometimes as well. Yeah. So that was kind of my concept. So I knew like I didn't have to sing the whole time. I could just sing part of the time, harmonize, stuff like that. So um, that's, how I, that's how I came to be singing. Well, it's a tremendous album. I would love to get both of you in here sometime. To do oh, yeah, we'd love that. One Thank of our you. Thursday night shows. Great. Um, well, you know what? Since we have you here, how about we jump in and do a tune uh, of yours there? Let's do it. What are you going to do? Which We're going to do uh, No Moon at All. All right. It's a great old standard. Yes. No moon at all, what a night Even lightning bugs have dimmed their light Stars have disappeared from sight And there's no moon at all No moon at all, it's so dark Even Fido is afraid to bark What a certain chance to spark And there's no moon at all Should we want atmosphere for inspiration, dear? One kiss would make it clear that tonight is right and bright moonlight might interfere. No moon at all up above. This is nothing like the dosa. And to think we fell in love when there's no moon at all.
We want atmosphere for inspiration, dear. One kiss could make it clear that tonight is right and bright moonlight might interfere. No moon at all up above. This is nothing like they told us so. And to think we fell in love, there's no moon at all. No moon at all. That, that's a beautiful tune. We had a we had a group in last Thursday, uh, Ken Wilde, Tom Rizzo, and Susan Krebs, and she sang that song. And I got to I think wow. that's the first time I ever heard it. And now I get to hear it twice in a week. <laughs> this is awesome, so uh, and it's so awesome that we got tips from Colin and Tom. All right, so oh, thank Colin, you guys. Yay. You know, supporting nice. that uh, singing, playing lifestyle. But, uh, <laughs> we actually have a really good crowd here for uh, the jazz roundtables. Normally, don't get as that many people as the Thursday shows, but we are rivaling our Thursday numbers now. So, Thanks, John. Uh, so, but let's uh, let's go on to Dave now, and uh, let me get the Dave's magic solo camera up here so oh. I can talk to him. Now, Dave, uh, if you guys didn't know all this, Dave and I went to college together a million years ago, million. and we actually toured together for a while. Indeed. And I've always known Dave as this amazing drummer, and so many years ago. Emil Richards was, this is what we emailed. We didn't have social media or anything to do this stuff. And Emil sent a, a version of a song called uh, I Just Want to Get Paid. And he emailed it to everybody, which, as Dave was pointing out earlier, is kind of ironic. <laughs> you know. And I'm listening to this going, man, I, I know that voice. But, uh, and so I looked it up online, and it was Dave Tull had done this album. So I went and bought it right away. It was your first album. What was it called? It was called I Just Want to Get Paid. I Just Want to Get Paid. An instant <laughs> classic. And so Dave has done a second album. Uh, it's called uh, Texting and Driving, right? Or That's correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to do a little bit of texting and driving later on. But Dave, why don't you talk about how you got into drumming and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. Musical. Well, drumming uh, started, I think both drumming and singing started from the very, I mean, from before I can remember. But drumming was the first one that I studied Actually, it was the only one I really studied, now that I think about it. <laughs> uh, uh, so, I mean, I was banging on things and started taking lessons when I was 10. Fortunately, hooked up with a great teacher. The jazz program at Berkeley schools, where I came from Berkeley High School, was terrific. And by the way, Lyman, uh, Benny Green and I were in Berkeley High School the exact same nice. year. I met Benny. Right. Nice. I met Benny when we were in eighth grade. And he was being forced to play percussion in the in the wind ensemble because they didn't have any place to put a pianist. So poor Benny was sitting back there with his triangle, oh looking God. very dejected. But <laughs> we played together starting That's in eighth great. grade and all the way through ninth through twelfth grade. Another weird college coincidence, Billy. You'll like this. I went to Western Michigan University with John's brother. Oh wow! So who I knew didn't meet John until we got to LA years later. And then it's I did my master's at Western. World. Right. Yeah. It's, it's totally. a small world. That'll be my next. <laughs> Totally. So anyhow, I, I was lucky. The programs I came up through, I went to North Cal State Northridge. So the drumming thing was evolving, and I was listening to billions of jazz records and just trying to get as good as I could, trying to keep up with Benny Green when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, But the singing came along naturally along the way, not like I ever thought I was going to ever do it in public or like that I was ever going to do it uh, you know, as a 
thing to, to lead a group. But, um, but I was scatting back then because I was shedding with all these albums and listening to all these records. And uh, there are recordings. I have cassettes of me scat singing uh, in high school, actually, uh, with the combo program. And, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was making the changes. So, <laughs> uh, Real singing, like for real, started well into my professional career where I started realizing that I was working with a lot of great singers, some of whom were excellent, and then some who were not so excellent, you know? And I started thinking, geez, maybe I should start singing a little bit. It seems like I could do that, you know? <laughs> so, well, nothing against all you singers that I worked with back in the 90s. <laughs> you were all great. Here's the funny thing. I remember when we were in college and we were recording an album for the big band, there was one solo section and the conductor didn't like the way the soloist had played on it. And so I was at the studio because I was one of those guys who was so interested. I was watching all of the mixing and all the everything. And, uh, and Joel Leach was sitting there thinking, well, what are we going to do? And he goes, wait a minute, I'll call Dave. And he called you to come down right there and then and scat over this one set of hellacious changes or something. It was not singing the part. You just came in to scat the one solo. That's right. I just threw it down. There, there's a recording somewhere of that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know well, if it was good album, or not. I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but Dave, Dave's, Dave's history, you know, he and I toured with Maynard Ferguson together. And, but you've also played with uh, uh, Chuck Mangione. You're, you're close personal friends with Babs, Barbara Streisand. Well, yeah. And uh, Michael Buble, Jack Sheldon. And you've got some great stories. I wish, if we have some time, I'd love to hear some Jack Sheldon stories. Yeah, and, well, and the Mangione band was the first one where I really just was like, okay, I'm going to be serious about this. Because we had had a bass player who sang all the stuff for Chuck the first mm. year I was on the band in 2000. And then he was leaving. And we were struggling to find another bass player who could sing. We didn't know you. We didn't know yeah. you. <laughs> so uh, it wasn't looking too good, and we were at the point of just about to hire a bass player who wasn't like that great of a bass player, but he could sing. And I went to Chuck, and I said, look, wouldn't it be better to get a bass player who can play the bass? And I said, Kevin Axe would love to come out and play the gig. Uh, and I said, I actually sing pretty decently. And so he was a little, he was like, you? you know. <laughs> but he gave me a shot, and we, we did it at a rehearsal and uh, got to the next gig after that and there was a mic by the drum so I kind of knew I had gotten the gig but I did all the vocals on Chuck's band for nine years after that and it was wow. really a place to learn it was a nice learning curve there room to make some mistakes you know mm -hmm. Forget the lyrics and sing anyway, and all that. <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, I guess we have some original songs by yours. You want to do one of those now? Yeah, let's do this one. This is a uh, people like people tend to know me because I write a lot of really funny songs, or uh -huh. I shouldn't say really. I write a lot of attempts at funny songs, but they're funny. But, but I have a tune that's just a nice romantic tune that I really like to do. And uh, since we're talking about singing and playing at the same time, this is a tune off the Texting and Driving album. It's called Henrietta. How many times do? All right, eight bars intro. Uh, oh, oh, uh, uh, let's do, uh, we'll do the head, and then, uh, to keep it short, I'll scat half, and then take the head out. We got a time issue here. Uh, one, a two, a one, two, a three, uh. I didn't fall for Henrietta The first day I met her Making small talk for a while Somehow her beauty, though plain to see I was not perceiving And only just as she was leaving Did I notice something in her smile 
then one day I crossed paths again with Henrietta I tipped my hat and got to see that smile again And though we barely just said hello Before we parted This time around the fire started Love hit me there and then Her soft hello erased the pain Of every tear I ever shed Repeating in my brain My new favorite melody The thought of letting her walk away again It filled my heart with dread I spun round towards Henrietta And found her looking back at me Now every day it's Henrietta And I'm so glad The second time I got it right I didn't see it at first glance But fate gave me a second chance To meet Henrietta And fall in love at first sight ba 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 dee da da ba ba boo da you know why
We got some good comments on that one. Let me see if I can and grab them all. Uh, Joyce says she loves your funny songs, Dave. <laughs> and Kevin, Kevin Winard, who is another monster singer as well as yeah, scat true. guy, he's yeah. another drummer who does that. I was we got to get. Say, wasn't Kevin on the band with Steve Tyrell? So yeah, he saying, hey, yeah. He wanted to charge for a double though. Is uh, too much money. Uh, that sounds like Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> but he says, you know, the, you know, Kevin says, always loved this tune, Dave. So one of the questions I had, and this and anybody can answer this, is what? How has singing helped or influenced the way you play your? instrumental instrument anybody want to jump on that instrument pain i'll yeah, jump yeah. in okay. um go ahead so when i was um when i was you know first learning when i was in college and stuff uh, i noticed there were a lot of bass players who who sang along with what they played not necessarily scatting but like just to kind of vocalize what they played and I, I, you know, I found myself like when I would solo, like I just, just play and play and just these running eighth notes and it's just, it would just sound, it would just be too much and it, w it wouldn't be melodic or musical. But I found if I sang along with what I played, well, like I imagined the, the other bass players I was listening to was doing, that I would have to take a breath, right? I'd, I'd have to, <laughs> I'd have to stop playing at some point, right? I'd have to give my solo space. I'd have to play melodically uh, with my solo. So um, once I started singing and and um, you know learning tunes, how to sing them and stuff, I, I kind of came back to that with my with my bass playing and, and particularly with my soloing. Cool, yeah. For for me, I I think being a piano player and singer, I like to accompany other singers. But when I'm accompanying myself. I kind of know what I'm going to do, so it's it's cheating a little bit because I can, if it's a note choice, for example, that I know I'm going to sing a certain thing, I can voice the chord because I'm singing this kind of thing. But but then I also love to just accompany other singers where I don't know what they're going to do, and then that's really fun too because then I really have to use my ears. But I think, as you were saying, Lyman, with the breathing, I think it's an important part of of all of us being instrumentalists and also singers because it does make you breathe when you play. Same thing with piano. I mean, I can sit here and just run eighth notes the whole time, but and we don't have to breathe when we're playing these instruments. Wind instruments, obviously, singers have to breathe. So by singing, it does make us kind of pause and absorb the line and then continue on to the next thing. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Dave, how about you? Well, for me, uh, since I started at the drums, I mean, as a study first, uh, I definitely was infected, I still am, by the way, with the same disease that every drummer has, which is just that we tend to, especially for soloing, but just in general, like comping when you're backing up other people, there's, there's this kind of inserting of little licks in a row that goes on. I always tell my students, it's like you're placing Legos. You know, you've got this little lick, you can go, and so you stick that in one spot, and then you've got this other one that goes, and you put that one there. And there's a, drummers can very much get into that frame of mind of just stringing things together, and we're very much afraid of putting space in anything else. <laughs> but, you know, as I, as I was playing drums behind a lot of singers, and I was starting to learn these tunes, and I was thinking about how... I was listening to lots of instrumental solos that were not drum instrumental solos. And I really began to realize that, that so much of what I was working at at the drums, even if I was using those little snippets of licks, could come out, you could treat it as, as a series of little random plugged in Legos, or you could turn them into melodies and really think of it that way. Uh, you're still using vocabulary just like we use words when we create sentences, but, but you're much more aware that there's an overarching 
purpose and meaning to a melodic phrase as opposed to just kind of stringing a bunch of stuff successfully together. So as I really began to sing more and more, I, I came in touch so much more with the melodic aspect of what I'm doing underneath uh, soloists and what I'm doing when I solo. And I, in some of my clinics, I talk to my students about, about how if you think about what you're doing on the snare drum and the bass drum when you're playing underneath a soloist, if you think of it as a counterline, kind of like the, the second line underneath the top player in a Dixieland band or something like that, there's, this, you know, the, there's the top person who's playing and then underneath it there's the next person who's playing along and improvising but they're doing stuff that accompanies what the other person is doing. And I started really hearing the bass drum and snare drum activity much more melodically. Um, and, uh, you know, all you have to do is think about... Um, think about the other kinds of backing up that goes on if you're playing a song and, I, and if I was playing a blues behind somebody and I could just imagine the bass drum and snare drum being like a little sax section you know like if they're going don't think about the drums that way. Uh, at least a lot of people don't think about the drums that way. But when I started really coming in touch with that more, I mean, I, I realized I'd always been thinking about it that way a little bit, but I started to really realize these are little melodies. These are melodies at the drums and change the way I play the drums a lot. Changes the way I back up other singers, play the way I back up other instrumentalists. Mm -hmm. And it makes me want to solo a lot more. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, that's great. That's Sorry, great. that was so long. No, that's perfect, and it just it leads us right to let's do another song of John's. Please. Great, and be before we do that, um, I just want to okay. say also that we I think one thing that we left out too are lyrics. I think we all yeah the fact yes. that we're telling sure. a story is something that when I started playing and singing, I was thinking more about this. Oh, I love the changes of this song. And right. I was thinking less about the lyrics, but as I'm getting older and start doing more vocals, I'm starting to say, wait a second, what's this story about? And then by singing the story, it affects the way that I play. So hopefully the story will come through in this yeah. original piece nice. uh, great, called Stuck in point. a Dream with Me. Well, I, I, the other thing I just want to add is in college, when guys were learning standards, you could tell immediately who knew the lyrics and who didn't. Yeah. How, about how they phrased those melodies. It used to drive me crazy. It's like, you can't split a word in half like that. <laughs> yeah, don't breathe in the middle of the word. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what are you going to play for us, John? Uh, this is an original composition uh, with, this, with the same lyricist uh, from the other song that I played, K. Lawrence Dunham. It's called Stuck in a Dream with Me, and this is one that was recorded by Mary Stallings first, mm. uh, and then also recorded by Dina Martin. But this, um, I recorded this on my very first album back in 2006, and uh, this is the trio version of this. I hope you enjoy okay, Stuck in a Dream. Before you start, I need to go in and fix a camera. So okay. I'm going to put this uh, camera on Dave. Actually, no, let me do this. I'm going to put the camera on Dave. And, and Dave, tell us a story, Dave. <laughs> well, I fix the camera. <laughs> uh, what can I tell you? Um, geez, if there, had been a, if there had been something more deep about it. Um, I can say that, that I... Bouncing off of what John was saying, that I definitely will talk to uh, even my drum students uh, about trying to be conscious about the lyrics, and it's even more something that I think about uh, as I've started writing tunes, you mm. know. Um, it's so amazing how I'm aware of when I have different players passing through my trio and we're doing things, and of course sometimes they're just reading, so they hardly have a chance to be dealing with the lyrics if you're just like trying to get through the song but as players get to know the tunes you can hear 
how somebody comps or solos, and that there's a character to the song. And some players are aware of that and some aren't. And I will run across a player where I've got a ballad that's kind of a sad tune, you know, and it's got some nice changes, and I've got a pianist that I haven't used before, and they're just like... (laughs) And you're like, this is a really sad song. What are you doing? Uh, so there's a lot to be said for becoming in touch with the lyrics, and I think as a singer, you naturally do that. I think pianists who sing are more likely to be thinking about like what what kind of solo makes sense, what kind of comping makes sense on this tune based on what it's about. Yeah, good point. That's great. Okay, now let's do uh, John's song here. I'm going to shred right. all over this one. Yeah, yeah shred all over this one. <laughs> <laughs> Careful now, don't play with my heart. I could fall in love, that may not be smart. For then, where would you be? Stuck in a dream with me. Careful now. Your lips on my cheek Your hands stroking mine The way your eyes speak Could seal your destiny Stuck in a dream with me Funny how life goes Who can say When love is real Yet here I am Telling you
funny how life goes Who can say when love is real Yet here I am Telling you How I feel Careful now Stop leading me on Before it's too late And all hope is gone Unless you want to be caught in a dream, lost in a dream, stuck in a dream with me. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, really beautiful. And we got some comments on there. Jennifer says, so beautiful, John. Thank you. And she's a little piano emoji two, and two hearts. Ah, uh, thank you. So, and uh, <laughs> Joyce, who's one of our regulars, and she runs a, a jazz uh, appreciation group on Facebook. So uh, she wrote, Stuck in a Dream. I love the title, John, evocative. And you got a heart also. Oh, thank you. So, uh, and Dan out there said, uh, I guess Ball State, did he go to Ball State with you? With Maybe. Liven? Yeah. Where's the, do you have a last name? Uh, <laughs> it is Dan Tom. Oh, oh Dan oh. Tom. We know the Toms. Yeah, we, know we the all Tom. know the Toms. I don't yeah. like to say Dan last names on the air, but I mean, oh, it's sorry. on Facebook. But I mean, it's on Facebook, so it's no, not. No, they great wouldn't thing. mind. So I hope I don't offend. I, so I pick and uh, choose. No, the Toms are great. The Toms, the Toms yeah. are they're good friends of all three of us. They are. They're, they're big supporters of, of this music. We appreciate okay. them. And, 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 uh, and he also wrote, it's Dave's Clinic. Dave was, he wasn't, you know, he had had some great things to say. So, uh, but he also, it's not too late to tip. You know, if you're watching this on an archive or you're listening to the podcast, you can go to the website and tip. You just go to the, yes, I want to leave a tip. And then you get a little pull down menu. You can select the band you want the tip to go to. We got a tip about nine months late once. It was really kind of hysterical. So, but the money got to where it needed to go. So that's good. Anyway, uh, let's move on. The, The next thing I wanted to talk about briefly is scatting. And Dave, you do this, and uh, and John, I heard you do it. And Lyman, you said you don't do it yet. I expect great things because you're. Don't amazing. hold your breath. Thank uh, you. But how did you guys? Do you guys? How did you get into that? Was it just something natural? Do you have any advice for people that want to learn to scat sing that don't already? I'm gonna let you grab that one, John. Okay. Starting off. Yeah. So uh, for, <laughs> for me, John. Yeah, for me, um, yeah, it's it's a lot of listening first of all, and you know, scatting. Um, people that scat, they're actually imitating instrumentalists. So I always say, go to the source, right? So listen to horn players. Um, transcribing horn players is a great thing to do. Um, I like to start students with, you know, very accessible kind of players like Chet Baker, for example, who are very lyrical players, or Blue Mitchell on trumpet, um, bebop kind of influenced players like that. And um, because, again, it's a language, so you're scatting uh, the languages that you're hearing. And then if you play an instrument... What I like to do on piano, which I was trying to demonstrate in Prue's Blues, was and similar to what Lyman was saying with scatting with your bass or scatting with your piano, it's a great exercise. If you're an improviser on another instrument, 
like piano and you can try to match pitch and improvise at the same time like you know doing th- lines like that where you're really kind of connecting the the singing with the playing so uh, i think for me it's a combination of listening and and playing with lines on the piano and there are different techniques you can use and different um you know going for the thirds and sevens and all those kind of things uh can chord you, tones can you do that again real quick uh, what the, I just the, did. Will you sing along with your piano play? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Very so, low. Hey, I just want to give a moment uh, of, so that everybody at home can try that real quick. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Repeat after me. No, and we'll transcribe back. that. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's always always impressive. So, um, but uh, before we move on to the next tune, uh, Eric says, "Always love that tune, John." He just jumped in on, on oh, YouTube. Yeah. So hi, oh, Eric. Cool. And normalize audio. So uh, he's. Uh, Oh, Thank he's you. a. Somebody made a reference to a standard. He said he can drive standard or automatic. But ah. ah. <laughs> well, seriously, folks. So, uh, okay, but well, that's cool. I want to get to some more music. So, I guess we're off to Lyman now for a tune. Yeah, I'm gonna do um, one of my favorite tunes of all time. My favorite singer of all time. Uh, well, one of my favorite singers of all time, Nat King Cole. Um, this one is on uh, Black Marco Reverie's debut album, The Rainy Days. I've just found joy I'm as happy as a baby boy Who just found a brand new choo-choo toy Cause I love my sweet Lorraine, Lorraine She's got a pair of eyes That are bluer than the summer sky When you see them, you will realize why I love my sweet Lorraine. When it's raining, I don't miss the sun. Cause it's in my baby's smile. Could it be that I'm the lucky one? Walks it down the aisle Each night I pray That no one will steal her heart away Just can't wait until that lucky day When I marry sweet Lorraine Just can't wait until that lucky day Mary, sweet Lorraine. <laughs> hey guys, thank you. Perfect. I was uh, so excited when you said you're going to play that. That is on the album I mentioned, and yeah. it, I was driving in the car. I was telling him, "It's like," and that tune comes on. He does the whole thing. It's just bass and vocal, and I just had to repeat it right there and then. I couldn't. 
wait. Thank <laughs> you. Again. So, no, I'm glad you guys did that. That's uh, that's really really beautiful. Thank you very much. Sure, love that one. Uh, and I don't have. I, I'm I'm trying to think of another question I could ask. I just wanted to know if any of you had uh, something else you wanted to add to the discussion before we get to our final tune. Well, I have a couple things, but I wanted to follow up on the scatting issue. Okay. Um, at the risk of getting myself <laughs> the scatting in trouble. issue. The scatting issue. <laughs> No, no, I, I, it's funny because I, I first of all, I, um, I really wish that we wouldn't use the word scat, to be honest. Um, I feel kind of like it implies that vocalists do something differently or different uh, than all the other instrumentalists who are improvising in a jazz style. I mean, we don't have a separate verb for pianists or for trombone players. We don't say, hey, why don't you tinkle a couple choruses yeah. and <laughs> you, you slide a couple choruses and I'm going to scat. You know, it's, it's like it's all, it's all blowing. That's what, the, that's what jazz players call it. Yeah. And um, so I feel like the fact that we use the word scat almost makes it seem like if you're a vocalist and you would like to get going improvising jazz, that somehow it's a less arduous... Um, path, uh, and everybody who knows how to who knows how to improvise in jazz has to do a great deal of homework. John talked about all the listening. The you know I developed my scat singing ability because I listened to like thousands of hours of jazz albums. I was pouring in high school and college over every every record of every style really that I could find, but especially straight ahead stuff. And I was playing along with them. And I had records that I had listened to so many times that I started memorizing like Chick Corea solos because I had just played with them so many times. Um, playing with playing gigs, understanding the theory and the harmony and the and the the, the the structure of music, and so many vocalists really have that together. But there's unfortunately a cadre of vocalists who sort of haven't learned about music theory. They haven't done a lot of listening to jazz, and so they're trying to just jump in and do it. It's kind of like a lark. And I would just urge you not to approach it that way if you're interested in getting going with scat singing and try to realize that there's nobody who improvises in jazz who hasn't put in all that time and energy to learn what they're doing. Like John said, people say it's a language. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't... <laughs> I used to use an analogy of walking up to a, a table of people speaking Portuguese, you know, which I don't speak, and just listening to it and thinking that it sounds so cool, listening to them talk, and just listen to them for a while, and then just going up and trying to just make the sound that sounds like Portuguese to me, to them, and walk up and say, and they look at you like, what are you doing, you know? You have to learn the language, right? So anyway, that would be my advice, and I don't mean to be negative, but I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very serious and very uh, intense pursuit to learn how to improvise in jazz, regardless of what your instrument is, and your voice is an instrument. <laughs> no, I, that, that's actually a brilliant uh, Definitely. You know, yeah. observation, I think. You guys agree? Definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes. it, comes, it, comes from, uh, it comes from not just vocalists, but also in education. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people who run jazz vocal choirs and things, and they spend a huge amount of time on the uh, ensemble parts because they need to. And then you can tell. I mean, and John and I have both adjudicated at those things, and they're great. Every once in a while you run across a really primo soloist, but you can always kind of tell that the soloing was sort of this afterthought. Like, hey, there's 16 bars of D minor, it letter B, who wants to do it, you know? Rather than like, let's work on how to take a let's, song. Uh, we got time for one or two more, maybe. But we're going to do a Dave Tull tune here, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll do. Uh, Why don't we'll you do... set this one up for us, Dave? Okay. 
So uh, this is the title track of my second CD. The CD is called Texting and Driving. And, um, and the tune is called The Texting Song. And I don't know if we're, I don't know how much time we have. We'll go. Go I ahead guess. and do the tune. We'll do the tune. So do take, the, take a chorus, John. We got time. It's only um, 8.04 now. We're going to go a little late tonight. I don't think anybody's going to complain. So Okay. You know, the neighbors the will come banging on the door. When they start taking the <laughs> tablecloths off the tables, you know that it's time to quit. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, this has a lot of lyrics, and yeah, I think you'll get it, especially in this setting where you, where you can actually hear what the lyrics are because Billy's doing such a good job with the vocals. So here's the texting song, and it starts off with uh, Lyman at the Beast, whether he likes it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 uh. Started texting and forgot that I was steering. I jumped the curb before I noticed I was veering. But I'm due to tweet and I got something to say. So if you're crossing the street, you best get out of the way. No need to stand there looking so perplexed. I just gotta send a text. If I was looking, I would see your eyes are rolling. But you should know this isn't something I'm controlling. When I hear that tone, the knee-jerk action is clean. My hands reach for the phone, my eyes jump to the screen. Every muscle action is reflexed. I just gotta send a text. Driving 50 miles per hour, looking down at my hands, trying to reply to something somebody said. I guess I ran the wrong direction to a one-way intersection. But how was I supposed to know the light was red? I know I ought to pay attention to my driving. But another instant message is arriving. When my iPhone back inside just got a reply, I can't wait 10 seconds, though I'll probably die. In the auto wreck that happens next, I just gotta send a text. I just can't imagine doing anything at all without a phone in my hand. Everybody try to deal with something so completely absurd Cause every single second of the day I live in wild anticipation of my ultra cool ringtone It's seven random bars of music from my favorite band Always loud and distorted And how could I go on if I could never post another shot Of food that I was just about to consume For I believe my seven followers on Instagram Would like to see a photo of my every meal Cause everybody wants to know what's going on with me In my radical life You seem annoyed that throughout our conversation I've been texting and I've done a little Skyping. It may seem rude of me to text while you talk, but it's okay because I'm listening to you even as I'm typing. And now they're telling me that every time I drive and use my phone, I have to use a hands-free device. I tried a few, but none of them worked. In fact, there wasn't even one that drove the car at all. So as I'm messaging the car, it's driving right off the road. And now a cop is in my face and yelling, buddy, what's the matter with you? Don't 
I'm driving 50 miles per hour looking down at my hands Trying to reply to something somebody said I guess I ran the wrong direction through a one-way intersection But how was I supposed to know the light was red? I know I ought to pay attention to my driving but another instant message is arriving When my iPhone back inside just got a reply I can't wait 10 seconds Though I'll probably die In the auto wreck that happens next I just gotta send a text I just gotta send a text, that's all As a matter of fact, I've got my phone Well, uh, there's some time uh, I've just gotta send a text <laughs> yeah. That was great, man so uh, now, uh, the, before we, I think we're going to go a little long because we're having fun here, but does anybody else have anything they want to talk about? Any advice for people mm. that can't sing, such as myself, that want to learn how to sing? <laughs> <laughs> long tones? No, yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think... Well, no, no, please. Oh, 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 I was going to say, I think... Mics on. I don't have all the mics on right now. Oh. Okay, go ahead. I mean, I think everyone can learn how to sing. I think everyone has it in them. I mean, we were, I think everyone was born with the ability to sing. So you're I think, saying... There's a chance. There's a chance. I think. I think sometimes what happens is, uh, as as kids, especially like from from different teachers, I know, like with piano, for example, people will say, "Oh, I had this terrible teacher, this you know lady who would make me do this and that," and and I and so I can't. I say I quit and I can't do that. I feel like in some ways, voice is the same way where where people start off just singing and not being judged for it. But as you get older and you kind of sing and you don't, you know, you maybe you don't have the best voice or something like that. You get this kind of negative feedback and you, then you don't want to do it ever again. But I think everyone has something to say. And I feel like we can just, we can discover that through singing, take some voice lessons, join a choir. Choir is a great place to learn how to sing because you can match pitch, you can blend, you can do all those great things. Hide. Hide. Yeah. <laughs> Lyman, sorry, are you going to say? I, I was going to say, um, you know, after being a musician most of my life and then, you know, coming to singing, my my biggest piece of advice would be the same thing we tell our students of, of any of these instruments would be listen to the classic recordings of the masters and just learn how they sing the songs and phrase how they sing the songs, you know. When I'm teaching bass... Um, we can get really bowed down in, in jazz academia sometimes with like scales and, you know, play this and this voicing and play this scale for this chord and all that. And that's, that takes you a little further away from the, where the music should be coming from sometimes. It's good information. You have to have it. But I found that with singing, like, I have no choice. Like, I have to listen to Nat King Cole or Sam Cooke or whoever and just, like, mimic that because I really don't know technically what I'm doing very well. I just, like... But I, all I can do is like learn tunes and learn how my favorite singers phrase them, and then that that kind of lets me that lets me learn these songs and kind of develop my own voice. So it's not too ultimately different. This, particularly with jazz, it's not too different than you know what we would ideally be doing on our instruments. Yeah, and I, that's all very good advice. I will I will I will try that all on myself <laughs> in one year. Because yeah, we talk about transcribing instrumentalists, but uh -huh. you can what you're saying too is transcribing vocalists yeah. just singing the melody, just which is something that we don't right. always think about. And it's not as daunting as transcribing because you know if I do it on my bass and I have to write it down, oh my goodness, I have to figure out the rhythms and stuff. But if I'm just listening to a singer, I can just put on the recording and sing. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. What do we have? Another oh, Phil. He's got some advice for me. He said, sing tenor, ten or eleven miles away Ooh. from him. Oh. 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 <laughs> 
I would say, by the way, for people who are That's trying to figure out how to improve their singing, uh, um, we tend to be like Billy. The first thing you were saying is, "Oh, you know, trying to figure out how to match pitches," and we get very bogged down in. In obviously, if you're going to sing, you have to sing on key. You can't. You can't be <laughs> sharp or flat terribly, and you have to have a good ear. But one of the lost uh, components in there, um, I think, that can actually help bolster all the other stuff at the same time is if you really give some thought to your time feel when you're singing. And I think that one of the things you get from an instrumentalist, a pianist, a bass player, or especially a rhythm section player uh, who comes to singing is that they've already spent such a huge amount of time internalizing and developing this platform of time feel that they are working from, tiny, tiny little variations in the pocket or the where the swung eighth note is being placed or how you pull back. Um, and uh, touching on what you just said, Billy, you know, people say, oh, how can you phrase, uh, you know, where you're like away from the time, but you're keeping time at the drums. And the key is that I'm not away from the time. I know right where I am in the time. Yeah. It's just finer gradations. You know, if you listen to, um, listen to Shirley Horn sing a ballad, mm-hmm. and, you know, she's, uh, she will just sit there and then enter, and it seems kind of like, oh, well, she was being conversational. Or she, and no, she's right in the pocket. And Sarah Vaughan was the same way, and Carmen McRae was the same way, and Ella Fitzgerald was the same way, and each of them with their own sound. But it's, it's, not, it's not competing uh, concepts of time. It's actually realizing that it all comes from the same place, and you just have to, you have to get down to where you hear uh, this vocal entrance. It's a little later than the strict eighth note, but you know where it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Time feel, you time. singers. Uh, that's all really great advice. But did, now we didn't rehearse this or anything. But did you guys want to do a tune together? We had sure. talked about possibly. We, about we, maybe we could we could try to just throw something up. We yeah. we had said, hey, maybe at the end, you know. Sure. And this is the end. How we should divide it, my friends. This is the end. Uh, I'll just say, why don't you guys start and look at me when you want me to sing, and <laughs> okay. I'm going to bring up the. All right, this is there will never be another you. Harry Warren, Matt Gordon, and uh, we just called this, so we'll, we'll play by ear, see how it goes. Here we we'll go. improvise, man. We'll Draw improvise. The, the, tune, the tune breaks down into sections. So. Yeah. Sure. Uh, B-flat pedal up front. There will be many other nights like this And I'll be standing here with someone new There will be other songs to sing Another fall, another spring But there will never be another you There will be many lips that I may kiss But this won't thrill me like yours used to do Yes, I could dream a million dreams But how could they come true? There will never ever be another you There may be another night like this And I'll be standing here with someone new There will be other songs to sing Another fall, another spring But there will never be another you There will be other lips that I may kiss but theirs won't thrill me like yours used to do No, I may dream a million dreams But how can they come true If there will never, ever be another you 
never will live another night like this. And I'll be standing here with someone new. There may be other nights to sing, another fall, another spring, but there will never be another you. Other lips that I may kiss, oh, but this won't thrill me like yours used to. Love. Yes, I could dream a million dreams, but how could they come true? When there will never ever be, there will never ever be, there will never ever be another you. That was really fantastic. <laughs> what a great way to end it. And you know, it's like last year, this, this is the closest show we do to Valentine's Day as far as the jazz roundtable. So that's kind of a nice way to end it and all the, the lovely romantic songs. And uh, uh, Colin says, sparkling. And Jennifer, I think she summed it up. She said, how fun. I could listen to them all night. Oh, thank wow. you. And, and a little heart emoji. And then uh, Dan says, three times the brilliance. Thank you to all. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, Dan. And really for the thank great you so jazz much. cast. No, Dan is Susan. fun. Dan's the best. Uh, yeah. Dan is clapping. Corley is clapping. Everybody is having a good time. So, But I think we're going to say goodnight now from, from the gang. And let me just uh, say thank you again to Dave Tull. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. And, of course, Lyman Medeiros. Yeah. <laughs> and John Prue. Oh, I got too many, too many cameras of me up there on the screen there. So this is really fun. I'm going to play the outro now, and I want you all to watch because I spend a ton of money on the voiceover guy. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I, again, thank you guys for coming. This was really fun and entertaining. And interesting. we got to do more of these. We have to say thank you. We have to say thank you to Billy, too. Thank you, Billy. Billy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Live at Zero BBM, baby. Woo. Thank you. No, this, is, this was a blast. And uh, like I said, if you're watching this uh, and you want to tip, go ahead. You can tip uh, on into years from now. I'm living in Mexico on a boat. I'll get the tip and I'll send it to everybody. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, wow. here's the outro, everybody. And thank you. And come see us Thursday night, every Thursday, except for the fifth Thursday of the month. And the second Tuesday is Jazz Roundtable. So hopefully we'll see you all out there. And thank you so much. Thanks for joining us at Live at Zero BPM. These videos will be archived on YouTube and Facebook, so tell your friends. These Jazz Roundtable shows will also be released as a podcast, so please subscribe. Go to live at zeropm.com for details and to sign up for our mailing list. Also, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. See you soon. <laughs>